God knew us before we were born. You've got to be kidding me. Absolutely true. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We discover the Bible today. We're looking at Jeremiah 1. We're going to do that in about five minutes time, so stay there. It's going to be a good way to start our understanding of God. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? Today I'm going to be taking a look at places of supposed apostasy in Judah. Ryan? All right. Well, on yesterday's program, we looked at some scriptural evidence for the Trinity of God. And today, we want to try and understand this concept of one God in three persons by turning to God's very own creation. Very interesting stuff. Uh, Okay, Janice, we have some things going on. Yes, it's our Friday wrap-up question. I'm going to ask a question based on anywhere from Isaiah chapter 48 through to Jeremiah chapter 3. Jeremiah 1, 1 through 12. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. Jeremiah chapter 1, 2, and 3. That's what we read as we go through the Bible, and we go through the Bible every year. It's very exciting. Now, chapter 1 of Jeremiah introduces us to Jeremiah the prophet who he is, and where he came from. His tribe seems to be, seems to be from the tribe from Benjamin, whom we have seen go on in varied journeys through the scripture. I mean, back in Judges, we read about how the tribe of Benjamin was nearly destroyed for their great evil. And then Israel's first king came from the tribe of Benjamin. And now this prophet of God is called forward with a very difficult message. 
The Hebrew name for Jeremiah is Yemehu, or it is a name that literally means Yahweh throws. God throws, possibly in the sense of laying a foundation. It could essentially mean Yahweh establishes or appoints or sends Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah is appointed and sent by God to communicate judgment. Jeremiah would prophesy for 40 years what God had shown him about the coming consequences for the nation's unrepentant sin. The message was clear. A great enemy was coming who would destroy the nation, including the capital of Jerusalem. How would the people respond? How would the people react? How would they be in this time? It's a very, very interesting passage of scripture. So we move from, of course, Isaiah to Jeremiah. This is several hundred years later. And as we do so, we think about, Lord, what is this? What is the meaning of this? Well, let's try to read it carefully. Take your Bible guide in July and turn to today's passage. And as you do so, let me remind you that you can get a hold of your Bible guide if you call us or write to us. Or simply go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. It will take you to a page and you can give a donation. Thank you for your donations. Very important. But as you go there, remember this, that, and by the way, thank you for your donations. Father, I pray for everybody there who has a donation and given one. Thank you, Lord, for that. But it takes you to a place where you can download the page or download the whole Bible guide exactly how we printed it. Very interesting. Now, as we focus on a difficult book, this is hard. Jeremiah chapter 1. So Lord, I pray today as we look at this book, you would show us your way and teach us your paths. Because Jeremiah is not somebody who preaches a popular message. And he's not somebody living in a time that's very luxurious and wonderful. In fact, he is a prophet of God. And because he's a prophet of Adonai, because he's a prophet of Elohim, because he's a prophet of Yahweh... His words are not really the kind of words they want to hear. So help us to hear what you're saying to us in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, as you look at Jeremiah, the first chapter, this gets really interesting. Let's read it. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priest who were in Anathoth of the land of Benjamin to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem, captive in the fifth month. Now, this is absolutely fascinating. The ministry of Jeremiah was during the reign and the reformer king, Josiah, to the fall of Jerusalem. Now, God calls us for the time in which we live. Nothing is an accident. God calls us for the time in which we live. Nothing is an accident. Nothing is an accident right now. The time in which we live, the time in which we're alive and we're watching things fall apart. And we see the world grasping and reaching for answers. 
when the real answer is Jesus Christ. The real answer is to come to know the Lord. That's what I believe and that's what I know in my heart. The question is, do you know it? And the question is, have you done it? Because the Holy Spirit is speaking right now. Very, very interesting. Jesus Christ, he's the answer. Now let's go back to the scripture and learn more about this. Jeremiah 1 verses 4 through 8. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Don't say, do not say I'm a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Now this is really interesting because it brings me to point two. God knew us before we were born. Remember Jeremiah 1.5, before you were born, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. God knew us before we were born. There is never an accidental DNA or pregnancy. God knows us and has chosen us. I want to speak to people who are pregnant and you are considering aborting your baby. My suggestion is that you understand who God is. Come to know the Lord and allow him to work through you and allow him to change this world with the amazing child that is inside of you to give birth to this wonderful baby. This is very important. Father, we have to pray that you would save children right now. Remember that there is no accidental pregnancies and no accidental birth. Very interesting. Now let's go on. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. I am ready to perform my word. The prophets of God are set over all nations to proclaim God's word. Remember that Jesus Christ told us to tell everyone the good news about why he came. So let me be honest with you about the good news of why Jesus came. Because our relationship with him is broken. And Jesus came to pay the cost of our sin. And we can come to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me and help me. And as we do that, it's very, very important. We need to pay attention to this because as God saves our life, as we reach out and say, Lord, come into my heart. I believe you died on the cross and rose again. He changes everything in our lives for good. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now, 
You can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. So as we get into Jeremiah's message, we realize very quickly that it is not a good uplifting message for Judah and the people of Judah, for the Judeans. It is essentially one that judgment is coming because of their great apostasy and because of their refusal to follow the terms of the covenant that they had with God. So they are engaged in all sorts of idolatrous practices and essentially judgment is coming and they have to accept the judgment and the discipline of God, which would have been a very, very difficult thing to do as we see it's going to play out for us in the book of Jeremiah. But one of the areas that Jeremiah focuses in on, on the people's idolatry, is the high places of Judah. And this is a common theme for a lot of the prophets of God that came to the nations of Israel and Judah. So let's take a look at what these high places were and what distinguished them as places of apostasy. How should we understand high places in the Bible? First, what were they? It's known that high places were set apart for religious practices and contained an altar for sacrifices. Though perhaps originally built on hilltops, there was diversity in their location, likely due to convenience and cultural significance. They could be built on hills and hillsides, in towns, in city gates, and even in ravines and valleys. Many, if not most, high places probably included other structures like outbuildings and walls. The Bible speaks of them as being built and destroyed. With the birth of Israel as a nation and the giving of the Mosaic Law, the practice of building altars and worshipping at high places was outlawed in Deuteronomy 12. Israel's worship was to be different than Canaanite worship and eventually be limited to a place where God would choose to put his name. During the conquest of the Promised Land, before a place for God's name was chosen, which presumably meant a place to put the sanctuary, Joshua built a high place on Mount Ebal. At some point during Joshua's life, though, the permanent sanctuary site was chosen, Shiloh. The tabernacle was pitched there and permanent religious structures were built up around it. The next period, that of the judges, was a time of ever-growing religious apostasy. By the end of the book, we see the descendants of Moses ministering before idols and the tribes of Israel as largely descended into moral spiritual chaos. The lifetime of the last judge, the prophet and priest Samuel, saw much change, not the least of which was the destruction of the sanctuary precinct in Shiloh, though the tent tabernacle, altar, and Ark of the Covenant escaped destruction. Samuel was undeniably a man of God, yet he was a habitual user of the high places in Israel. He routinely sacrificed on them. After the Temple of Solomon was built in Jerusalem, the Bible establishes it became the new place of God's name. The authors of Kings and Chronicles began to judge the kings of Israel based on whether they attempted to remove the high places. So then, culturally, though there was a temple, a place of God's name, the people generally continued to use the high places. What we see in the Bible demonstrates that Israelite high places were seen as acceptable to God under the conditions that the practices conform to the worship of God 
and that they were being used in a time before an official place of the name had been chosen. This would explain why in Samuel's life, the high places were not criticized. Shiloh had been destroyed and apparently a new place had not yet been chosen. Beyond this, Deuteronomy 12 does provide exceptions to the rule of sacrificing only at the official sanctuary. Animals were allowed to be slaughtered for consumption at any village, town, or city. This provision allowed for practical meat consumption and celebration without the burden to travel to the official sanctuary. So really, it was the practices that had been going on at these high places that were causing Judah to fall into guilt. I mean, when we go to Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, God says this, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So they've replaced the worship of God with the worship of false idols, thinking that these idols are going to provide life for them, when in reality, they could have had access to the eternal living spring of water. So that's interesting. In these high places were the place where they worship the idols. They took yeah. sacrifices to and said, okay, you know, we're worshiping the God. Yeah, and there was a heritage there of worshiping the true God there, but it had fallen into idolatry and apostasy, which is why, you know, the, the earliest kings tried to centralize worship in the first place. So it was a slow fade mm -hmm. uh, into paganism, a slow fade, a shift, a slow shift. Mm -hmm. Very interesting, Corey. And you're doing something this weekend, which is what? I am. So uh, my husband and I do The Weekend Show, uh, which is a show that discusses big issues that pop up as we're reading through the scriptures. And we also aim to answer some viewer questions as well. So we release it every Friday uh, on my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Corey Babechko. There's also a 10-minute recap there that'll go chapter by chapter through our reading that week to get you caught back up if you've fallen behind. Very good. Yeah. Excellent, Ryan. <laughs> All right, well, as I mentioned off the top of the program, today's segment is a continuation of our study from yesterday in which we discovered clear scriptural evidence for the Trinity of God. Now, of course, we as Christians don't believe in many gods. We believe in one God who is manifest in three distinct persons, namely God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God is one, and yet in that oneness, there are three distinct persons. Now, obviously, that's not an easy concept to understand, and God knew this from the beginning. And I think that's one of the reasons why he created a lot of things in nature which are one and yet are composed of three elements to help us understand. Let's watch this segment and you'll see exactly what I mean. In the very first verse of the Bible, the name of God is used in its plural form, Elohim. In fact, this Hebrew name for God is used more than 30 times in Genesis chapter 1 alone. Although the use of this name by itself does not necessarily prove the plurality of the Godhead, the Bible does go on to teach and develop this idea, even within the early chapters of Genesis. For example, in Genesis 1.26, God Elohim says, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Again he says in Genesis 3.22, Behold, the man has become like one of us. And in Genesis 11.7, he says again, Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language. Eventually, in the New Testament, the Bible develops this plurality even further, revealing that Elohim is a triune God, consisting of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. At the same time, the Bible explicitly teaches that the Lord our God, the Lord, is one, 
and him only shall you serve. How then can believers claim that they serve one God when the Bible clearly teaches a triune God? How can God be three and yet be one? Though as finite beings we are limited in our understanding, to help us somewhat grasp this concept, we can turn to God's own creation, which actually contains many instances of three-in-ones. Consider space, for example. Space is comprised of three dimensions, length, width, and height. In space, you can move forward and backward, left and right, and up and down. Any other movements are combinations of these three directions. Just as God has three forms but is still one God, space also has three dimensions, yet is one in nature. Another example is time. Time has a past, a present, and a future. It is one dimension, yet it is perceived in three divisions. Also consider the atom. All atoms except for hydrogen are made up of three subatomic particles, protons, neutrons, and electrons. And protons and neutrons are also believed to be made up of three even smaller particles known as quarks. Matter also exists in three forms, solid, liquid, and gas. There are three primary colors, and the universe itself consists of time, space, and matter. Yet perhaps the greatest illustration of God's triune nature is found within God's final act of creation, the creation of mankind. Indeed, man was created in the image of God, and like him, our person also exists in three forms, our body, our soul, and our spirit. Thus creation stands not only as a testimony to its creator, but also as a beautiful illustration of his triune nature. So as you can see, we don't have to look very far to find examples of three-in-ones because God put that feature within us, our body, soul, and spirit. In Genesis, God told us that he created man in his own image, and that apparently includes this threefold expression. How cool is that? Yeah, that, that is very interesting that, we're, that the elements that were made in the image of God and the elements are there as well in the atom. And of course, I'm a you know, ham radio operator, engineer at trade and all of that back in the day. And I studied all of those elements. So that's very good, Ryan. Mm. Excellent. Now, uh, you have a, a whole other element. I mean, you have the <laughs> element. The element of questioning. The, so the element of surprise. Everybody, mm -hmm. this element is a, this no. a big element here. Okay. The element of pressure. Yep. However, the element of learning. There it is. Which you're bringing to us. Which I'm bringing to you. <laughs> we I shall see. Indeed. Yes. And, you know, I have a lot of people who really enjoy. Now, I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. Not everybody likes to play games or answer questions. However, there are quite a loyal few that that watch and play and report to me uh and and it's it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun and and you know what we we learn together so never feel that pressure unless you're that kind of person that really enjoys that kind of pressure but uh, always try to answer and see I'm always very thrilled that I get to ask the questions and I don't have to be the one to answer. <laughs> Fair enough. I get the yeah. easy part. But you're learning when you ask the questions when I because go you've to got to look them. up the answers. That's exactly that. right. Thank you. I'm just saying. <laughs> you're all right. Okay. Here we are. So this could be a question anywhere based from Isaiah chapter 48 to Jeremiah chapter 3. This is a fill in the blanks. Hmm. So this is different. Yeah. And I'll probably, it's a good thing we have a couple of minutes left because I'll need to read this a couple of times, I think. All right. So here's the verse. There are three blanks that you will have to fill. 
But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the, and you our, and all we are the work of your. All right. So number one is children, Lord, creation. Two is clay, potter, hand. Number three, saved, redeemer, hand. Now, this is it, good because this, this is, is a very different one. one. Now, yeah. in in your estimation, should I read the verse with these insertions in? Yeah, I think so. Sure. Would that help? Okay. I think so. All right. So here's your first option. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the children, and you our Lord. And all we are the work of your creation. That's choice number one. Number two. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you our potter. And all we are the work of your hand. Third option. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the saved, and you our redeemer. And all we are the work of your hand. All right. All right.、Yeah. So, do you know what it is? Now, all those are good words,、mm-hmm. but <laughs> there's only contextually, one、yes. which one comes from our reading today? today? I think we know. I think we do too.、Yeah. All right. Would you like to? Yeah. Number two. We're going with number two. Going with number、so、two. Going with the potter and the clay. Yes. So Isaiah sixty-eight, sixty-four. I apologize. Isaiah sixty-four, verse eight says, "But now, O Lord, you are our Father; we are the clay, and you are Potter, and all we are the work of your hand." Isaiah sixty-four, eight. If you chose the second answer, you are absolutely right. Good job,、mm. Ryan and Corey. Thanks. Good job, all, all of、right. you up there. There. Oh, there. There we are. <laughs> I think that's interesting. That we are the work of His hands, and、mm. that's important for us to remember. You know, read Psalm one thirty nine and the others as we have done.、Uh, we are the work of God's hands, and and we need to remember that as we go through our life every single day. You know, Rumble is a great place where you can get Bible Discovery TV. And let me just say that、uh, if you go to Rumble, that's a new platform, a social media platform, and you click on Bible Discovery TV or you search Bible Discovery TV, you'll find us. Join us on Rumble. Right now, we're going to pray. Lord, please give me the courage to speak to others, to tell others about who you are and how Jesus Christ has totally changed my life. 